Hello, and welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast, where in the name of the moon, we're going to punish you with the Bomb Senshi today. I am Ethan Hawker with... I'm Tim M. Sullivan. And I'm Austin Zwiebelman. And today we will be discussing Sailor Moon R, the movie, the first Sailor Moon film, and part of our ongoing anime retrospective of nostalgic films, and sort of the B-side to our uh, Dead Zone podcast, which you should listen to now. Go do it. It's great. Well, finish this one first. Or, like, pause this one and listen to that one, as long as you listen to both. Either way. Um, Leading things off, as per usual, we're going to start off with our own connection to uh, Sailor Moon in general. And I'm going to let Tim go first. Like I kind of mentioned on the Dead Zone podcast, I didn't grow up with cable. And uh, this was one that I just I I didn't really seek out. Like DBZ had the like bigger appeal to me because like it was more of like a boys show, whatever that means. This was back in like the 90s, early 2000s, where the marketing was just like, if it's for girls, it's not for boys. Just an absolutely stupid mindset and retrospect. But it's weird because like I I did watch Card Captain on uh, Kids WB and I like that show a lot and I think that might have had something to do with the weird like marketing of it like to trying to make it more appealing to boys by making it less centered around Sakura that's a show that I really enjoyed and like I've watched uh, that uncut recently I've kind of grown more open to magical girl type shows as I've gotten older like Revolutionary Girl Utena is one of my favorite anime of all time it's just a fantastic series which was also uh, directed by Kunihiko Ikuhara, which he directed this film. He directed, I think, a bunch of the Sailor Moon stuff. So that's something that I also think is kind of interesting. It's like seeing his work. So I did start watching Sailor Moon, I think, in 2020. I started watching it on Hulu since uh, Viz had the new uncut English dub up on there. So I watched the first two seasons and part of season three. And I kind of dropped off it for a while at some point I need to come back to it yeah that's that's basically my history with it is I'm more familiar with it now than I was prior uh, it wasn't something that I grew up with but I've watched it a little bit as an adult especially yeah if you didn't have cable or anything like that um, you're you're sort of not going to be seeing it quite so much and I don't know I've, I've always wondered wondered if there was a bit more of a stigma surrounding Sailor Moon as like a girl's cartoon um, and it's always been pigeonholed with uh, like yeah. commie time slots and that sort of thing on top of it even compared to like Dragon Ball like as I've watched it as an adult like I've realized that like it's it's just kind of a goofy tokusatsu show like it's Power Rangers and it's great like you have villains who have a tire for a vagina it's amazing all the race car themed villains oh I love them there's the the two that just go vroom 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 Uh, in the English dub, and yeah. it's that's all that the sound effect they make. I love it. It's just goofy shit, and it's fun. Yeah, it is very silly, um, and I think, I don't know, I wonder if that's that turned off some people, like young boys, because it's like, not only is this for girls, but also it's kind of goofy and weird. Especially, it was so inaccessible <laughs> for the longest time because of rights issues. I'm mean, like, it had a DVD release from ADV that was super limited and cost a small fortune, and D- DVDs from Deke, which were also just incredibly expensive, until the 
Viz reissue. So it was pretty inaccessible throughout much of the mid to late aughts. But uh, Austin, what is your familiarity with the Sailor Moon, your history with the franchise? Before I was born, my dad got a job at McDonnell Douglas, and then he proceeded to have two kids, me, and then a year and a half later, he had my sister. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a stay-at-home mom who ran a daycare out of our childhood house. And one of the perks of having an engineer dad and a daycare mom is that there's a lot of VHS tapes on our shelves and a lot of friends to watch the VHS tapes with. On to Sailor Moon, I remember we had the ones with the pink spines and the little hexagons by the labels. The shot from Sailor Moon that sticks out in my mind for some reason is the shot from uh, Crystal Clear Destiny, where I think it's Malachite takes all the rainbow gems. And that just sticks in my memory because the crystals reminded me of like Chaos Emeralds or, or Pokemon Batches. And uh, that and there was this one called The Day of Destiny where everybody died. And I, I just remember watching that in horror at my cousin's house and uh, not really knowing how to respond because I hadn't seen like everybody die in, the, in any children's shows I've been watching. You didn't watch dinosaurs yet. Wait, everybody dies in dinosaurs? At the end of it, it's like the extinction uh, endgame, basically. Yeah, the Ice Age, and they all just sort of gather on the couch, and as they slowly await the inevitable. I, I, I guess kids had it rough in the 80s. I don't know. Soviet <laughs> Union really freaked out the people making kids shows, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I watched Sailor Moon a fair, fair deal with my sister when I was a kid. We both grew up to pursue kind of dream hobbies, like she does magnificent cosplays, and I still try to make videos. Uh, but now the planets have aligned, and I have to talk about Sailor Moon as a grown man with a film production degree. And Maya couldn't be on with us today because she was doing something. But uh, I did get to freak out over text messages with her last night while I was re-watching this. I was sending her screenshots and we were having a pretty okay time. I'm glad that you were sort of able to, to reconnect uh, on some level with, over a shared thing you had from your childhood. That's always very fun. I think that's how like a lot of people probably viewed them, particularly if you're in that sweet spot of age where you might have not seen it very much on television. You kind of only had tapes um, and scattered slipshod ability to watch it, not really in one sitting, which is, I guess, true of most anime. But Sailor Moon, I think, particularly suffered from that, again, because of the weird distribution stuff going on. Like, for me, as a kid, I watched a tiny bit of it on TV, but not much. Um, I... I, I think it was part of it was, you know, like the stigma of being a young child. Like I didn't have a sister or anything, so there was no excuse, I guess, to watch Sailor Moon um, and none of my friends watched it. So I was like, oh, well, I don't, I, well I'm interested, but also I'm embarrassed because I, I was, you know, as a young person, even into like middle school and early high school, I was deeply embarrassed about how much I liked Japanese animation. So really, this podcast is about toxic masculinity and uh, the stigma it has on young boys. I mean, kind of. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Like, my favorite color when I was a little boy was pink, and I got the pink Game Boy, and I was made fun of for it. And, yeah, that was always a big thing. I liked, you know, Hello Kitty and that sort of thing as a as a young man. And it was something where it was like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Be ashamed. Like, my parents were supportive, my mom especially. But, you know, the, the Middle West writ large isn't great for it. Um, <laughs> and so Sailor Moon, like, as I got older, I would kind of I would kind of try to watch it. But it was sort of the combination of trying to watch the dub, the Deke dub, um, and being a bit self-serious about it and being a little embarrassed by it that I, I could just never really stick with it. Um, it wasn't until I um, found the the YouTube channel Sailor Moon Says, um, which uploaded clips from 
the uh, the English dub. Um, usually, like they would do a, a fair bit for them too, like a proper color correct and correction and that sort of thing um, from the sources and all that, and you know resyncing to the Blu-rays that dub and everything. At first, it was just a funny thing where it's like, haha, this dub is not very good, um, or like it's charmingly weird. But then I just started to grow this really unironic appreciation for it through watching those clips because I started getting into it when I was getting into art and animation school, and it's like, oh wait, there's a lot of cool stuff here. The aesthetic is gorgeous and it's got so much interesting stuff going on and even the vocal performances are so like loose and fun in their way that I can't help but appreciate those even if the adaptation is more where the issues lie and then I you know started watching the television series and I actually got to see this movie in theaters a few years back Fathom did uh, a double feature of Sailor Moon R the movie and Sailor Moon S the movie and then they did a separate screening of the uh, Sailor Moon Super S film um, and I got to see all three of those um, and this was before I'd really watched the series and I, I really really loved <laughs> getting to see those on the big screen, especially. But the thing was, I remember this this particular film, Sailor Moon R, I remember it being sort of the weakest of the bunch, um, which upon reviewing, I don't think that's true at all. Maybe it stands out the least, like because um, the S film is the one where uh, Luna falls in love with a um, astronaut boy or with a with a boy who believes that a woman lives in the stars and is slowly going insane um, and who is dating an astronaut himself. Um, And then she turns into a lady at the end, like a Kaguya, Princess Kaguya thing. Um, And it's weird, but I kind of love it. And then the the Super S movie, which is, you know, all your favorites. You've got uh, the outer senshi, uh, Neptune and Uranus showing up in that one. It's weird and fun. And R is sort of like more what you would expect from a Sailor Moon movie which is probably why it didn't stand out so prominently, but um, sort of transitioning into uh, this this film, talking about it in and of itself, it does sort of represent a transitional stage in that um, it's not only is it the first Sailor Moon film, it's directed by uh, Kunihiko Ikuhara shortly after he took over as series director for the show because he'd, he'd worked on the show prior, but um, he was taking over from Junichi Sato as uh, series director partway through Sailor Moon R. And this particular film is sort of a retread of the uh, Makai tree arc from the uh, television series. Um, but unlike the Dragon Ball films, it kind of has its own own narrative through line that gets you there. And uh, just some other sort of general production information to sort of understand what this film is. It is technically feature length at um, more than 60 minutes, but um, it's one of those things that was made to be programmed as part of like a festival, like a series of films with like a Dragon Ball film or a uh, Himitsu Akko-chan film or that sort of thing, where they would just put a bunch of them in a block and ship the kids off to the theater for the day um, and they can watch all their cartoon favorites uh, on the big screen despite that it doesn't have the usual problems of one of those like it, it feels like like a real big boy movie um in the way like dead zone doesn't quite achieve where it's like oh this is a, an ova length thing where you get to see fun cool fights and it's good but um like i don't know it's not terribly narratively satisfying but before we get into that um i would just like to hear austin your overall thoughts on the film i watched the movie twice last night i watched the uh pioneer deke dub i might mix those up um, uh, and then I watched it in Japanese afterward. Uh, the plot is super simple. It's just an old friend getting between a guy and his girlfriend. Classic bisexual shenanigans. Uh, since Sailor Moon has a history of having like lesbians and drag queens that got erased from the Deke releases. That's not a boy. That's a girl. I figured that the second that I switched it over to Japanese, 
the two male characters would be gayer than $3 bills, especially after that shot of them in bed together at the orphanage. But to my surprise, the biggest changes between the sort of English dub and the Japanese release is that people say damn it a lot. Like, they say damn it a lot. And uh, other than that, there's this one scene that stood out where Sailor Mercury makes a joke in Japanese about how a lot of men seem to be into Darien, and everyone gets on her like, what are you insinuating? Whereas in the English dub, uh, they, she's like, oh. That's strange, seeing how everybody's in love huh? with him. Everybody including huh? you? And, every, and the uh, other Sailor Scouts team up and are like, oh, well, you like Darien. It's like they, they swiped the one gay thing off the table and slammed straight person stuff down at mock speed. Now that I'm older, I because uh, I, I did, even though I had a sister to watch this with, I did feel great shame watching Sailor Moon and anime to some extent as a kid. But now I, I can better articulate the things that make this feel sort of dramatic in that old girly way that made me sort of shift in my seat as a child things that i noticed for starters every time they get hurt there's a slow motion shot of the fallout it's very extra people get tied up frequently uh there's a ton of hostage situations where somebody is tied up and uh the most obvious one is everyone's crying uh that all said i really loved re-watching this both times that i watched it the nostalgia that i had for sailor moon came in handy as a tool specifically for the transitional sequences where they you know turn into sailor scouts or they're charging up their weapons uh sid walked in and sat down and watched the uh second time i watched it in Japanese and he thought those sequences were more so interrupting the movie and I, I couldn't just get it in his head just like no this is Sailor Moon this is what they do this is part of it so, so that helped me with my, my viewing experience highlights were probably Chibiusa conjuring a realistic handgun after <laughs> Sailor Moon is crying about needing to be protected I, I didn't see that coming at all and of course the wild pop song in the deep version at the finale watching Darian turn into a space prince and then Fiori sacrifice his life to save Sailor Moon hit a perfect note with me. I, if I had to recommend a specific version to watch, if you grew up with the Deke dub, you should stick to that version. If only for the 90s insults that Fiori hurdles at Sailor Moon. He says stuff like, And you swore me eternal friendship, but now you choose this dingbat over me, Darian. <laughs> this girl has you bamboozled, Darian. <laughs> He does everything short of call her meatball head. Overall, I had a complete blast watching this movie. It turns out, I guess I always did like Sailor Moon. I'm just old enough to be comfortable with it now. That's uh, that's something a lot of a lot of boys, younger boys who watched it can relate to. Jesus, I know I certainly can. Christ. <laughs> I'm more afraid of looking back when I'm old and saying, why didn't I have more fun? But, um, but yeah, uh, Tim, what were your thoughts on the film? Yeah, so uh, Austin said that he watched the uh, Japanese version and the uh, Deke version. I actually watched the Viz version because, you know, that's 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 what I'm familiar with because that's uh, the version that I watched on Hulu. Um, and I think that that dub's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Um, we have uh, Ben Diskin as the villain, which uh, it's always nice hearing him and stuff. I mean, I think he does a good job in the performance. For daring to deceive Mamoru. 
I will make your death painful. Yeah, just uh, just just a fun little, basically just feature length Sailor Moon adventure. Um, and like, uh, I, I I do I do think that like the villain's motivation of uh, being gay for Tuxedo Mask is just a brilliant stroke of writing. It's just fantastic. So this is my first time watching a Sailor Moon movie. It, it was kind of nice to just kind of seeing like a bigger thing with that. I do kind of think that like the transformation sequences right in the middle of that one fight scene were kind of funny and that like it, it's in every episode but for some reason here it was just like a little like it, it felt longer somehow <laughs> just like being in just being inserted in this movie but like that that's the thing is like with stuff like that you got you gotta you gotta do the you gotta do the transformations like it's, it's the tokusatsu thing uh, you you gotta you gotta have those sequences it, it kind of felt like like a pretty well encapsulated kind of Sailor Moon story like I think the ending kind of felt like a season finale kind of big blowout I think it was fun it's cool uh, that's that's about it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sort of like what you were saying with the transformations. I imagine like the thought process there was more like it's going to be really fun to see them on the big screen, like see them mm-hmm. all go go through yeah. particularly. So like I, I get why they're included. Um, and the one thing I do like is I do like the use the for the transformation themes. They actually do a new version of of it where they like they announce their name and they sort of scat scat saying every other line. And, it, and I kind of love that version of it, too. I don't know why it just makes it feel bigger, like more significant, even if the enemy hasn't really changed from the the redone transformation sequences for uh, R. And, and again, sort of on that note of like seeing seeing things from the show, I suspect that's part of like aside from, you know, just it's they have the model sheets lying around. That's why they sort of re- reused um, Ale and Anne's design for for Fiore and uh, Super Fiore, Xenian Fiore. I always thought that was weird, but now I just sort of accept it like it's fine, whatever. Um, they share the same voice actors as well. Uh, the Xenian flower has Anne's voice uh, Japanese voice actress and uh, Fiore has Ailes, Japanese voice actress. I do kind of love that um, when Fiore gets more powerful, he gets uh, the the female color palette. He gets Anne's color palette instead. That's girl power, baby. Uh <laughs> I like this film a lot. I think uh, it ties, like, narratively. It's a lot more solid than I initially gave it credit for. Like, it sort of establishes the dynamics pretty immediately. There's uh, that very satisfying finale um, when they're they're crashing into the earth and you have all of the girls. Because they, they pick on, on poor Usagi a lot, but there's a sense that they genuinely care about her at the very end as Moon Revenge plays. Um, and what I do like is for every flashback, the part of Moon Revenge is it's an ensemble piece with all of the Japanese voice actresses. And so so each one sort of uh, like each actress sings when their flashback is going respectively, which I like. Like it's just it's kind of a relatively subtle touch um, for all things. I think, yeah, like that really comes full circle. I like the um, connection between Usagi and uh, Mamoru when um, the flashback of them as, as wee babies when Usagi's at the hospital because uh, sh- um, Shingo is, is being uh, born, her little brother. My mummy just had a baby boy today and I got these roses for her. So what huge mistake did mom kick you out for this time? I sure wish I had a sister who wasn't a total loser. Like they they weave it in. Like everything feels pretty natural, all things considered. And uh, the deke dub is, of course, a lot of fun. Why is it do you think we fight for you? Mental void? 
Uh, I really uh, love Terry Hawk's performance as uh, Serena slash Usagi. Um, I think she's very hyperbolic in her performance, but she like she really toes the line between like like uh, Austin said this earlier when we were discussing like royalty, but also like sufficiently spacey enough of a space cadet that like it really fits with her character for me anyways. Okay, you're done. I need my pumpkin to myself now. Ta-ta, and uh, Stephanie, I, I watched all three. Stephanie Shea, of course, uh, puts in a, a good performance as Usagi as well. I quite like it, even if it's, I don't know, like it, it feels a little off, but it's probably just because I'm so used to the, that Hawk's performance. Don't worry, I'm going to be just fine. We'll all go back to Earth together, okay? Um, and of course, uh, Kotono Mitsushi, Mitsushi as Usagi is, is good. She's good as like crybaby Usagi. Like she gives her that characterization very well, I think. Overall, I just think that the the narrative arc here is strong. The action is all good. Um, you kind of get everything you'd want to get out of it. And you also get a pr- fairly satisfying story emphasizing Mamoru without him like completely taking up the film, which is sort of a nice line to toe, sort of going back to Dark Side of Dimensions, where I thought the, the narratives were a little split there. It integrates its, its B-plot ostensibly better into the overall narrative, I think, um, despite maybe not being overall a better film than Dark Side of Dimensions. Maybe. I don't know. I'll think about that one. It's close. Um, yeah. It's, that's a uh, subjective taste thing. Yeah, it's also going to be like, which thing do you like more? Sailor Moon right. or, or Yu-Gi-Oh, to be fair. Like, I think, and they're also just different films, <laughs> frankly. Moving on to, um, I want to sort of spotlight the aesthetics, because I think this is a very pretty, very, very pretty movie, <laughs> frankly. Um, and I think Sailor Moon in general is gorgeous. But uh, leading in, Tim, what did you think of sort of the look of the film? I thought it looked real good. It basically, it looked like a, a bigger version of the show. And like, I think it kind of expanded on uh, what made the show pretty in some very good ways. The HD transfer that we watched looked real nice. I haven't seen like the original version, but like the HD version looked good. I do think like a lot of the like animations with like the villain and stuff like that, that made it look very interesting. And, you know, I, as a fan of Ikuhara's work, like it, it just had a very good aesthetic that uh, you kind of see with his stuff. Um, You you can kind of see it just like in the themes. There's a lot of just like um, queer themes in his works. And I think that that really, it it definitely shines through in this movie for sure. Just, just, just a little bit. Uh, That's a, that's a really good point. I think um, it's so like Ikuhara's sort of affection for older shoujo anime, particularly the works of Osamu Dezuki really comes through here, like the Rose of Versailles. And it's Mm -hmm. clear, you know, he was watching Dear Brother and Aim Aim for the Ace with his, his use of these really stylized visuals. And like, like he does the triple cut thing where a character is like shown doing the same action uh, three times for emphasis, which is, which is a a Dezaki classic. And I mean, I, I love Osamu Dezuki. So of course I'm going to gush about anybody who even tries to do anything like him um, but Ikuhara is so good at making it his own too um, which I, I adore he's, he's great at incorporating those stylized visuals and, and being a bit better about being forthright with like the queer theming and that sort of thing as opposed to to Dezuki who was like he, he pretty openly said like I, I don't get it like I mean I just don't want to like it's not really my place to tread I suppose more than anything but but Ikuhara was like no I like incorporating this sort of stuff more directly but uh, Austin <laughs> what did you think of, of the look of this movie 
talking about queer themes and character designs, the moment that you see Fiore in, in the modern day sort of political landscape, just knowing Sailor Moon had, you know, queer characters overseas, um, just, just seeing that character design with, with the, the specific eyes and hair, it's just like, oh man, this is a gay melodrama. There's, you just can't run from it having Fiore looking like that. Uh, this is also the first time I've ever seen Sailor Moon in high definition. And let me just say, the colors and the backgrounds are mesmerizing. Like, for the colors, it's mostly extremely bright, analogous and complementary co color schemes, uh, just filling the whole screen. And uh, the backgrounds look a lot like very charming watercolor paintings. Like, mm -hmm. the lack of detail is more dreamlike than it is sort of disappointing or, you know, seemingly low budget. Uh, there is one scene... Uh, uh, after the Chrysanium Xanthrax, the, the, the flower <laughs> alien attacks um, at some point where the city behind the Sailor Scouts turns into just sort of rough outlines of the buildings against this very cool sort of like cloudy gradient. It was it was wonderful. It reminded me of a lower tech version of that Yu-Gi-Oh crossover movie where they've got sort of starlight buildings behind them. Uh, there's that one scene where uh, everybody's having memories of how they were all unpopular at school and uh, I think it was Mars in particular getting made fun of for being a psychic was just straight out of Encanto it was just we don't talk about Bruno but with Sailor Mars and also they have enough fun optical processes to like remind me of a video game at times I associate that sort of like 90s here's a glow here's what we could do at the time with like you know analog processes sometimes with older like Super Nintendo games the, during the final battle on the small planet asteroid where Sailor Moon uses her halation and they cut to this uh, top-down shot where she just wipes out a ton of the flower aliens and it looked like uh, Samus's final smash from Smash Bros. Uh, that shot actually elicited a laugh out of Sid. Something about that particular way she just dusts a bunch of people at once with this huge beam was just kind of silly. And uh, yeah, I think it's gorgeous. That's probably half the reason I loved watching this over and over again. You know, it's like mesmerizing for kids. Might as well be a pocket watch on a chain. It is eye candy. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, though, before I get into the good, um, getting into the one the one notable blemish. Uh, speaking of video games, um, when they first arrive at the the planet asteroid, oh, it's a it's a three D model that looks like a PS one model, and I don't mean that like in the sense of like even a cutscene model, like where it's like overly smooth and untextured, like it's textured, but um, it's rendered at a low resolution. There's no aliasing on it. Um, the the animation's a little floaty uh like it's brief and it's not like it's character animation or anything or like something that's supposed to be super recognizable so it's forgivable but um it's it stands out as sort of bad but like more a human humorous anachronism i suppose than anything but yeah i actually i made a note of just some of the uh, the cool bits like um sort of discussing the transformation sequences like as an animator there's something deeply impressive about those um and i understand like i get why they reuse them i would want to reuse that concept if I did all that work for what is a lot of characters moving in perspective um, and camera movement moving around them as they move in perspective, God, it looks so good. Um, just, yeah, and the, the transition between the background effects of, like, the scrolling scrolling lights for the texture as they transition into their outfits. Like, it's, it's, mm, 
really, really good, good looking animation. Um, and it's something where that I've just grown to appreciate a lot more since I've, I've done animation work. So that's something about uh, card capture Sakura that I think is nuts. Is they're like, they'll reuse these um, transformation sequences, but she wears a different outfit in every episode. Mm-hmm. So they have to fucking put a whole new outfit on her every time they reuse that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, you can re- like, there's, there's something we said about being able to reuse the like framing or like being able to just sort of trace over the old old drawings but yeah like that's still hard that's still a lot more work what is it the the flower henchman glycina glycina uh i love love her she's a lot of fun the way she moves and skitters around i like her design the way she's built as a single monster to sort of fight against multiple people is is really good there's a lot of fun smearing animation um and a lot of impact frames my my picture for this episode um is a impact <laughs> frame of uh, chibiusa featuring uh, a guest spot by umino which i always love love to see umino making it for the the r movie despite not showing up quite so much in the series at this point tuxedo mask appearing out of the billboard i loved that effect that oh, was gosh. so good <laughs> um like like the i don't know like it it could it's it just rides a line for me where i think it's cool and not completely cornball tuxedo mask getting stabbed when it goes red with the uh, black silhouettes and then it goes upside down for the next one uh oh god that looks so gorgeous and so stylized um i, I love the way it handles that like it's so impressive and it just cuts like pretty directly to the the action like it's not like a whole lot of animation but it lets you just lets you just stew in it for an, uh, the opposite effect when chibiusa plugs up usagi's nose when she gets knocked out oh. uh, i love i love that scene where they're just standing there for like like 10 seconds probably just about like it feels like forever and then usagi like i love that like it, the punchline hits really hard i think because you're like at first i honestly just thought my video player stopped working for same. like a split second same <laughs> we were concerned whenever i see stuff like that like in evangelion they'll have like a couple of shots where it's just like a single frame for a full minute mm-hmm. with no audio so you're just like what the fuck's happening <laughs> there, there was this one shot I forgot to bring up. I'll be really brief with this, but when uh, the the space princess Sailor Moon, the Super Sailor Moon Eternal, is uh, blowing up the meteor, there's this one shot where it's like black on pink or white on pink, and she's like animated fully, like it's just not not on like two frames or anything. It's just like 24 frames of her going batshit for like a, a second and a half. I really enjoyed seeing that for a second there. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like just this genuinely wonderful economy of animation. Like they're very good at using like smears for the comedy, for the quick stuff, like knowing when it's worth putting in the effort for full animation and when a smear will get the job done, if not just enhance the the look of the thing. There's a lot of direction going on here that I like a lot of not just animation, but like a lot of like the actual construction of it, the bones of it are so good um, in a lot of ways. Back in the highlights, just a small thing. I love the way Fiore's hair whips in the wind. Um, when he's getting very angry at the end. Um, I just love uh, hair whipping, I guess. Like, I think it's a good effect. It always hits hard, um, just like in uh, in Vampire Hunter D. And, of course, the big finale. Like, not just the full animation of, like, Super Sailor Moon, of uh, our Neo Queen Serenity Sailor Moon. I can't remember the name of it for life. Thank me. You. Silver Crystal Sailor Moon. There we go. Whatever. 
Um, but not just her, like her full animation, but the way the asteroid breaks apart and in the camera sort of moves around it um, and everything. So they have to animate the background in perspective while also animating it falling to pieces is always I love that background animation and animation in perspective as like a combination um, is so, so hard. Uh, and it always looks so, so impressive as a result, not just of the labor, but it just looks gorgeous in a way like like even like a practical effect can't like it's just because it's like somebody just drew that somebody put pen to paper and created the illusion of a thing breaking apart and i love it love it love it love it and of course just the overall palette is gorgeous i really like the designs of um uh the scouts by uh, kazuko tadano um she did the designs for the for Sailor Moon and Sailor Moon R. I love uh, Naoko Takeuchi's original designs, but I don't think they look as good in animation. I like the rounded forms um, you see in the slightly more realistic, less like thin proportions in uh, the the anime um, as opposed to the uh, the manga. I just think it looks they, they look great, and of course they look great here. But I just wanted to sort of give a shout out to uh, Kazuko because she did fantastic work, I think. And also the background designer, uh, Junichi Taniguchi, who's the one who is with the series for basically its entire run. And he does for at least these first two seasons, he does great work. They are, they do great work. Yeah. There's so much to like Sailor Mercury's visor um, displaying German text yeah. for some reason. There's enough ITs. Yeah. ITs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's, that's the aesthetics. Um, I'm going to do a couple quick sort of just uh, fun facts because I, I want to cram them in here somewhere um, while we have time before we do final thoughts real quick. Ikuhara as a director is sort of like an auteur figure in the sense that he has like, like people know him. Um, you can find pictures of him online. Not only can you find pictures of him online, um, you can find pictures of him in drag cosplaying as Sailor Mars. Uh, particularly, there's a picture uh, of him with Mamoru Nagano, the mechanical designer for a number of series, most prominently Heavy Metal Elgheim. Um, and he did a lot of designs for uh, Zeta Gundam. And he also created the series Five Star Stories. It's him and uh, Ikuhara, um, but Nagano is cosplaying as Sailor Venus, um, and uh, Ikuhara is cosplaying Sailor Mars, and it's them just sort of like clasping hands. Um, and it's very cute, and I love it. Um, good for them. And um, just a note considering this film's the violence towards Mam- Mamoru in this film, um, there was an interview with Ikuhara where the uh, interviewer said, uh, Ikuhara san, Utena and Sailor Moon are two of the most popular anime amongst Yuri fans. Do you intentionally include Shoujo Ai sub? texts in your work. Um, shoujo Ai being, you know, Yuri, women's love stuff or girls love. Um, and Ikuhara responds, no, I'm still able to make a story where it's between a boy and a girl, but I feel irritated to see my girl getting together with some other guy. I've tried to kill off Tuxedo Mask and Sailor Moon many times, but no matter how many times I tried to kill him, he gets resurrected. So I only get angrier. So I decided it would be way better if the girl just didn't have a boyfriend to begin with. I just had to get those in there because I think they're both very funny. Holy shit. This is this is where if Tanner was here, he would say, he just like me. He just like me for real. <laughs> he just like me for real. Um, yeah. Um, now that now that fun fact corner is, is done. Uh, final thoughts from the uh, other hosts. Uh, Tim. This was a fun one to watch. This uh, out of the little anime movies that we did for this month. Uh, this was the only one that I hadn't seen before. So it was kind of fun to see something new and uh, different. And like I had some some level of familiarity with the series, but uh it's just kind of fresh for me and yeah it's it's fun to watch um and i think this is just like a nice little capper at the end yeah 
perfect. Thank you. Um, and Austin, final thoughts? I don't know why, but throughout Anime Month, the uh, little boy that used to exist and watch Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and all this stuff, that part of me didn't bubble up as much to the surface revisiting those movies. But I guess there's a little girl in there somewhere who still really fucking likes Sailor Moon or something, because this is easily my favorite watch. <laughs> I, I, I got to go back and watch some more Sailor Moon. I got to talk to my sister more. I got to watch some Sailor Moon with my sister. There it is. There we go. I can't believe wholesome, wholesome moments here in Bomb Squad. We're, we're reuniting families. We're bringing them together. I'm glad both of you enjoyed it. Um, and I, I'm really happy I revisited it, too, because I wasn't sure about it because I was like, oh, that's the one that isn't as interesting. Uh, but it turns out, no, it's actually just a really tight, fun movie um, with a lot of good stuff in it, like a lot of good aesthetic stuff and a lot of good narrative stuff and I'm really happy I got to revisit it um, and I'm really happy we got to do anime month in general um, it turned out really well I think um, at least I liked being on the podcast you know for more than two weeks in a row uh, which was a lot of fun but I won't be back next week transitioning into our, our sign off as per usual um, if you're listening on any of the audio platforms be sure to give us a follow rank us highly give us a like etc star favorite all that be sure to uh, check out the Spotify video version of this this podcast um which we also host uh if we're you're on youtube of course like subscribe click the bell if uh you need to um because youtube is is a weird platform that is ever-changing and not great thanks google yeah exactly Jeez. be sure if you want to give us some money uh check out our patreon where we do things um which is always nice uh we'll we'll do more stuff with it eventually but you have to give us money first those are the rules um give us uh, several thousand dollars um, and then we'll make a discord where you can post memes at us or whatever. Um, we need financiers, baby. <laughs> exactly. We need money if we're going to be posting memes. <laughs> not memes, just things we've stolen from other people. And be sure to tune in next time uh, for Not Me with uh, the Jackass Forever podcast. We hope to see you then. Uh, and take care. Farewell. In the name of the bomb, we will podcast you!